0: Well, good afternoon and welcome to the show. Let's get things underway with our monthly check-in with Ryan McCrady of the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance. Would have ordinarily talked to Ryan last week. Sadly, uh, Ryan's mother passed away. And uh, Ryan McCrady uh, again, my deepest condolences to you and to your family. I know what a tough situation that is. I hope everybody's doing okay.
1: Thank you, Jim. Yeah, we're doing well. Uh, we have a large and very close family. And it, it sure means a lot all the time. Definitely means a lot right now. My mom was a die-burning news lady for 25 years. So as a 12-year-old boy, I was driving around town on my bicycle, taking pictures and writing cut lines. So I've never been a journalist like you. I just dabbled in it a little bit. But... uh, yeah, she made everybody's kid famous in Divernon for 25 years, <laughs> putting their picture in the paper. What
0: a uh, what a wonderful story and uh, a remarkable life, well-lived, and quite a legacy that she leaves. So as, uh, yep. uh, as something I, I had never heard until the, the governor started saying this during the, the pandemic, may her memory be a blessing, but that is a very apt sure. sentiment indeed. Yep. Uh, well, Ryan, let's get right into the business of the day, and I want to start off with uh, where we stand with the Wyndham Hotel deal. And, of course, mm-hmm. I know you've been uh, uh, supporting uh, some effort to help the Wyndham mm-hmm. renovate, and, uh, and, and upgrade and get itself more financially stable. There was a package in place under former Mayor Jim Langfelder worth about $18.75 million proposed in, in TIF funding. Mayor Misty Busher now says she's crunched the numbers and says the city can only afford about $11 million, not $18.75 million. And she says that the owner of the Wyndham doesn't seem interested in that. So uh, where, what do you know about where we stand with this? And, and is this a deal breaker for uh, a City Help to save the Wyndham?
1: Well, we know the Wyndham is a very important structure in our community. It's a landmark structure. It's important to the travel and tourism convention business. So the Growth Alliance wants to do whatever it can to be able to bring some semblance of agreement to keep that property functioning. Unfortunately, there's nothing about this project that's been done through what would be called the best practices of economic development. Um, We look back at the, the entire conversation about how we got here. And what it all started with was not an economic development proposal. It was a zoning change that was requested by a potential buyer. Um, you know, the growth lines did not support that zoning change because it was only a zoning change and would have removed a lot of control that the community had on making sure this property could support the the tourism convention business. And, you know, there was never a conversation about city incentives. It was purely a zoning change. That got voted down multiple times and our concern from the Growth Alliance perspective is we wanted to preserve those 250 hotel rooms. Um, the, uh, the project basically went quiet for a while. In February, I was asked by uh, former Mayor Langfelder to get engaged in the project to try to negotiate uh, some type of arrangement between his, the city and, and the owner of the building. Um, to meet that level of 250 hotel rooms. Also include some market rate apartments and some other things. Um, when I came into the deal, the, the city, uh, the, the mayor, Mayor Langfelder, and the developer had already talked about a level of incentives of 18.75 million. Um, one of the first questions I asked was how is that level of incentives funded? You know, who's done the math on those? Are the tax sources, the revenues being TIF and, Hotel meltdown tax and sales tax, are they going to be sufficient to provide that level of incentives? And I never got an answer from the city about what the calculation was. Uh, so after waiting for a long time for that, I did the calculations. The growth lines did that calculation because, you know, when you leave, when you have an economic development professional handle a project like this, that would have been one of the first things that would have been calculated early on in the process. Our calculations showed that the incentives as discussed and the sources of revenue as discussed were only probably going to generate nearly $11 million, not $18.75 million. But I could never get a full answer from the administration at that time about the sources of that. Um, so it, it's been a difficult project to process. It's not good for city to offer incentives of a certain level if you can't assure the developer and namely their financial institution that the taxes are going to actually generate that much revenue. So as the election came closer, um, the council members requested a couple different times to delay the vote on that. Uh, That was not a request to the Growth Alliance, that was a request of the council members. The Growth Alliance is not in a position to tell the, the mayor of the city council when they're going to vote on things. Um, we encourage prompt action on things, but we understood the reality that people wanted to wait on that. Uh, the election happened, and now we're working through with Mayor Busher and her administration, and, and she has taken a look at the calculations. I provided her my calculations. And so right now, the conversations between the mayor and the developer are continuing. Uh, we are still working on the project. Um, to my knowledge, the project is not, not dead, quote-unquote dead by any means. The conversations are continuing. The mayor wants to be sure that the developer understands what her and the, the, the community's estimates are on the amount of revenue it's going to be generated. They, she does not want to overpromise and underdeliver to a developer or a financial institution, and I think that's prudent to have those conversations. So the conversations are continuing. They're continuing today as we speak. We're continuing to have those conversations. And our hope is that we'll come up with something that works both for the community and for the developer. We preserve the structure, preserve the hotel rooms, and continue to support and expand our travel and tourism community.
0: Mayor Busher's words to me just a couple of days ago was that uh, Mr. Rajabi, the current owner of the Wyndham, is not interested in, in a deal at the lower amount. That uh, I guess from his perspective, and I'm extrapolating from this, uh, that from his perspective, that's just simply not going to be enough to make it financially viable uh, for him. Are you hearing something different? Might he be willing to, to do that or to see if there's some middle ground between $11 million and eighteen point seven five million that might be acceptable to both sides. How, how do we bridge a, a pretty significant gap in that
1: funding level? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not unusual for conversations like this to happen on projects. Um, I, I think uh, I believe the mayor is doing a good job of explaining in, in, in good faith what we think is available, um, and the door has not slammed on either side on this. The conversations literally are continuing, continuing today. Still ongoing. Uh, I'm not in a position to speak on behalf of the developer, but both parties are still communicating. So from my perspective, with both parties still communicating, uh, things are still still have an opportunity to work out. And yes, as the economic development guy, I'm always the eternal optimist. I get that. Um, and, and and that's a big part of my job, though, Jim, is to continue to be optimistic about growing the community. But the fact that all parties are still speaking shows me that there's still a path forward here, and we're hopeful that we'll be able to come up with something that works for the community, the developer, and whoever's financing the project.
0: The mayor indicated that Mr. Rajabi had hoped to address the city council last week. She wanted you there, and and obviously you were not available last week. So is he planning to return next week or sometime in the not-too-distant future to address the council about this?
1: That schedule's not been set yet. I know the mayor is speaking with him and his team to, to figure out what date works for everybody and and explain um and continue to work on the project so i'm not aware that there's been a date scheduled at this point um the item is you know held in committee on the agenda which allows it to be brought off pretty swiftly uh with the approval of the city council Uh, So, but we don't have a date on that yet.
0: Uh, I know you you said you are uh, trying to remain optimistic, looking at best case scenarios. I'm assuming a big part of your job is also to consider worst case scenarios and contingency plans Mm -hmm. in that case. So what happens if a deal doesn't come together? Has Mr. Rajabi indicated that he would make good on his uh, earlier suggestion he might convert the whole thing to subsidized housing? Could we have a 30-story government housing project right there in the middle of downtown?
1: Well, the uh, zoning does not allow more than 200 apartments to be in that building. as the zoning exists right now. Um, Mr. Rajabi, in my dealings with him, has has not been threatening in that manner. I mean, he's he's been trying to work through and come up with something that works for everybody. Um, but when people own property, no matter who that is, when they own property, they have rights and they have options. Uh, the Constitution protects all property owners, which we we all like, right? We all like that protection of private property rights. Uh, he'll have to work through and see what his options are. If something doesn't work out, I remain hopeful that we'll, that we'll get there. Um, it just takes some time. And when a new mayor comes into administration, I've never been a mayor. I'm never going to be a mayor. But I have come in and had to administer a city as a new public official. And I know what it's like when you get started and the amount of time, the amount of things facing you right off the bat. So, you know, we need, I think we need to be fair to her and her administration and her team and give them the time to take a look at it.
0: Well, we will continue to uh, to follow along with this. And Ryan, obviously, keep us posted with new developments here. We're talking with Ryan McCrady, Springfield-Sangamon Growth Alliance here on 92.7 WMAY. Uh, let me just ask about a couple other things real quickly while we've sure. got you here. Uh, last week, the State of Greater Springfield luncheon, which featured not only an address from the mayor, but also from the Sangamon County Board Chairman, Andy Van Meter. One of the things he talked about and expressed some concern about was the uh, uh, advent of carbon capture technology projects coming mm-hmm. through the the area, we know that they're working on one through City Water, Light, and Power, plus also that to possibility of a, a carbon capture pipeline running through uh, through Sangamon County. Uh, Chairman Van Meter raised concerns about the potential uh, public health risk, environmental hazards from something like this. And note of the county doesn't have any particular expertise in this area. From a from an economic development standpoint, I know you've been very big on the promotion of green energy and alternative energy projects, but to produce jobs and also as a Draw for other companies to come in. How does the SSGA see these carbon capture projects? Are they a net positive, a net negative? Do the benefits outweigh the potential risks?
1: Well, you know, it, it's uh, it's innovative, and anytime you do something innovative, there's a lot of questions and a lot of concerns. I, I personally have some experience with them due to my time in Decatur. One of the the first uh, successful and large scale carbon capture projects in the world was done over at ADM in Decatur when I was city manager and ran their economic development organization. So through that process, I was um, given quite a bit of knowledge and experience in how these things happen. I've, I've seen it successfully deployed and um, operating their community. And the current state, uh, we know when we get inquiries from companies looking to locate in, in specific in locations, specifically Springfield and Sangamon County. One of the things they measure and look for is access to green and renewable energy opportunities. Whether that's wind and solar, uh, carbon capture comes up also as an opportunity that could draw them here. So it it is a factor that businesses are weighing when they decide where they want to locate. Um, but I also know the technology around all these things; it's changing rapidly whether it's uh, the the improvement of the efficiency of solar panels, um, the study of carbon capture, CWLP. So the industry and technology is is moving forward rapidly. We do know as economic developers that having access to that technology could be a benefit for the community. Um, But we also understand that political leaders and community leaders have to weigh both practical things like that. Also, they have to weigh public opinion and the input from their constituents so really, they have the toughest decision that they have to make is to look at weigh and weigh all those things. Um, once again, I, I hope that as knowledge and technology expands, the two sides of this will continue to take a look at it and talk about it. Um, there was some state level legislation that had been filed. I don't believe that's moved out of committee at this point. Um, I checked on that today. I haven't seen any movement out of committee. It's been in committee for, for a couple months now. I'm not sure what's going to happen at the state level, but you know, at some point the state can step in just like they did with uh, requirements for wind and solar and trying to develop a statewide standard. Um, But I I do know the County board, I know them well having worked for them. I believe that they're going to take a hard look at both the, the technical, the practical side, the economic development side and the public opinion side and try to make a decision that satisfies all those things. We will do the best we can to give them all the knowledge and information we have about our perspective as economic developers, but at the same time understand there's a lot of things that go into their decision-making process and try to respect that too.
0: All right, we'll uh, keep an eye on that as well. A couple other things real quickly before we go. As you mentioned, the uh, Illinois General Assembly now looks like they're back on track to wrap things up in the next several days. Just moments ago, the governor and legislative leaders announced an agreement on a uh, budget, uh, and we don't know a lot of particulars on that yet. But are there other things the legislature has done that will either make your job in economic development easier or potentially could make it harder?
1: You know, they made some uh, nice changes to some of the incentive programs uh, recently with the EDGE program, the enterprise Zone program, expanding the the territory of that. The EDGE tax credit program was amended to provide more credits for uh, business retention and expansion projects, which is something that economic developers like me have been asking for for years because it's the most efficient way to grow the economy of your community is to expand a business that's here already, so that's that's very optimistic. Uh, the fact that they added wind and solar developments into the high impact business district to provide the incentives that they need, without having to negatively impact enterprise zones, has been positive. Also, the closing fund that was developed that can definitely be something that would be a positive thing for economic development. Being able to access that to kind of tip the scales just a little bit in favor of. Our community are in favor of Illinois on some of these negotiations. Other states have closing funds. So now that Illinois has one, that's really helpful. And any investment that they continue to make in workforce development is also going to be a key factor in economic development and and helping us grow our community, grow the the state's economy too. So I was trying to look at some of the breaking news on that budget, Jim. I, I noticed some things in there for the closing fund and workforce development and things like that. So we, we're hopeful optimistic that we'll continue to see those investments, which just put more arrows in our quiver, right, as we go out, try to help businesses that are here and try to recruit new ones to town.
0: Ryan McCrady, we're unfortunately out of time. I wanted to ask you about your partnership with Lincoln Library, but I'm really up against <laughs> the clock. So we'll, we'll try to get to that uh, next month. Yeah. Cause I know those uh, programs are continuing. But uh, in the meantime, if people would like to find out more about that or other efforts of the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance. Where do they go?
1: Check us out at thriveandspi.org or give us a call, 217-679-3500. We'll be glad to talk to you.
0: Ryan McCready, Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance.